and gentlemen, and welcome to the, let me repeat, the Rock and Roll Podcast. Check out this record. My name is Frank, and with me is my good buddy, Mark. Hey, Frank. Hello, listener. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcast. That's right. New episodes drippity drop every Friday Friday. For any new listeners out there, this is the podcast where Mark and I recommend albums to each other and we review them. Plus, we have a wide variety of musical discussions like our Spotlight series where we dig into a band's catalog and see what comes out on the other side. Yeah, or in our Verse series, we pit two albums against each other and force them to duke it out for total stereo domination. That's right. Be sure to check us out on Instagram, our Facebook group. We like to drop additional content that will hopefully leave you wanting more of our musical goodness. And of course, Mark's Random Nonsense. Now, if you have a record that you would like us to check out, just comment wherever you find us. While you're at it, subscribe, give us a review, a like, a rating, all that good stuff. So I always say this, Mark, how are you, my man? Frankie. I'm good, brother. Pretty pumped uh, to talk about the episode we have on hand tonight. How are you? Yeah, well, you know what, Mark? Besides my old ass turning 40 later on this calendar year, we collectively as a podcast, we've turned 40. That's right. This very episode, Mark, not Mark's. <laughs> yeah, we've been doing this since Frank's birth. That's right. Uh, that's right. Big 4-0. <laughs> so, man, listen, it's been a great ride from, from the awesome Metallica episode that everyone knows and loves, our Rancid Spotlight episode, which was awesome, the reviewing of the new Bob Dylan record, our emotionally draining two-part Fugazi spotlight, uh, the discovery of bands like the Frights, Rival Sons, our High on Stress interview, uh, Mark's scathing review of Cloud Nothings, making me not wanting to listen to him anymore, <laughs> and getting me uh, and getting a little agitated with me last week during Dead to Me's episode. It's been a fun, fun time, man, doing this. We're, we're excited about the episodes that we have to bring to you guys. Mark, Mark what about you as a reflection in these 40 episodes? Yeah, it's been a, a super fun ride, you know, chit-chatting and chit-chin-wagging. I've been trying to get that sentence to work all day Beautiful. with you, Frankie. Beautiful. Uh, yeah, we found what we were missing in Leatherface. Yes. Right? Had a oh. blast making fun of uh, Great White God, that fucking band sucked. And, uh, and we went on a long uh, but fun, strange trip uh, with Lord Haran. Uh, there's a lot of content coming up from us, so, so be sure you've, you've uh, liked and subscribed us. You've turned on that ringing bell uh, and tell your friends. But most importantly, get in on the conversation with us. This is uh, as much your podcast as it is ours. Um, we're gonna, we, we love listener requests, so don't be shy. Throw them our way. The worst that happens is we tell you you have terrible taste in music. I mean, what's the problem with that? Brian? That's all. That's all that happens at the, <laughs> at the end of the day. <laughs> and that uh, and that Leatherface, man, that was one of my favorites too. So that was awesome. That was awesome. Oh, we forgot uh, one of my personal favorites that came up uh, through the show, uh, Black Love, the Afghan Wigs album. That's right. F- fantastic record. I'm still looking. Anybody, uh, Frank's birthday is coming up. If you want to send me that record for Frank's birthday. Thank you. Uh, I'm into it. Yep, yep. So for or my you birthday. you can send Frank one. Well, send us both one. Yeah, for my birthday, send, you can send me and, of course, Mark. For send my me birthday, the too. A side, send Frank the B side. That's right. There yeah. you go. <laughs> so, Mark, for uh, the review we have on hand tonight, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's about a band who was here, and as soon as they arrived, basically they, they vanished. And we'll get to them shortly, but let's do a top list. Top that list. hardly had any shelf life. Now, this could be bands that weren't around for a long time but uh, uh, are, and are currently inactive right now. Um, 
they left an impact with us, of course, individually, and we wish we had more music uh, from them. So this is super narrow with its focus. So we can even expand those who have sadly passed. Um, let's split the 10 and do five each. Does, does that sound good to you, buddy? That sounds good. You want to start or you want me to go? Uh, let's, let's have you start it off, my man. Yeah, absolutely. So for me, my first choice here is going to be uh, a little band called The Horrible Crows. Not to be confused with The Horrible Band, The Black Crows. Uh, <laughs> the Horrible Crows uh, were a side project of the Gaslight Anthem's frontman, Brian Fallon, and his guitar tech, uh, who by the end of the Gaslight Anthem was playing guitar in the band, uh, Mr. Ian Perkins. Uh, the duo released... Uh, just one studio LP and a, and a live album. Uh, for me, this is Fallon's best work outside of the Gaslight Anthem. Uh, I would prefer to see him return to this lineup uh, and styling over any of his shapeless faux soul efforts. There you go. And you know what? It's funny because I wonder if I wonder if this is if what he's doing now really is just a horrible crows. Did they did they progress, or you think that at the end of the day there was a different, really set focus for the horrible crows? I think the Horrible Crows were intentionally a step outside of the Gaslight Anthem. And I think as far as his solo stuff goes, I think this was a further step away for his identity. I think um, I would definitely describe the Horrible Crows as, as a rock and roll outfit, right? Um, they definitely, um, you know, they had some session players playing drums and uh, some some other instruments. Brian himself played the, the Hammond B organ, which I always love when it comes up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like ham. It, it sounds like ham. But he, also, but his solo stuff really tried to step away from even that sound and and go for more of a, a modern, um, not necessarily soul uh, or neo soul, but but kind of um, a, a, another sound entirely. And to me, it just doesn't work. You know, I think his best efforts uh, are when he keeps it simple. And I, I feel like he's over arranging. And the the horrible crows to me uh, were a good uh, a good example of how he can. Uh, express himself in a simple manner, uh, but still de uh, still deliver really well thought lyrics, really clean uh, guitar changes and and work. Uh, I think Ian had a lot to do with that, with some of you know, breaking up the monotony of Brian's songwriting uh, yeah. and adding something a little a little bit more um, developed, something with a little bit more depth. Not that Brian's lacking in depth, but um, you know, after five uh, Gaslight Anthem albums three solo albums, this, um, it's not, it's not crazy to say that, Hey, maybe that well's running just a shad bit dry since as we've been seeing with the solo albums, so many of them sound like songs we've heard before. Yeah. Yeah. That horrible crowd crows album is great. I mean, I'm just looking at the yeah. checklist here. I, I witnessed crime. Go tell everyone, uh, cherry blossoms, crush, Marianne, black Betty, and the moon. Uh, yeah. Great, great record. And uh, it's a great record. Yeah. And, I and think the, the live record, the record is really good too. I certainly hear, I'm going to recommend the studio album yes. for, for what this show is, but I think that live album, um, is a great representation of what these guys sound like. Um, I, I really would have liked to see more. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, my uh, first on the list is Uncle Tupelo. Uh, mm -hmm. Now, I know from Uncle Tupelo spawned Sunvolt and Woco, and Jay Farrar, who's in Sunvolt, and Jeff Tweedy, obviously, in Woco. Um, they were a great team, and they created a really perfect yin and yang uh, of sorts, uh, the order and the chaos, and how they work together in Uncle Tupelo. Uh, often credited as like the first alternative country or cowpunk band. I think, actually, there are some few that predated them, but they refined the sound, and they brought it to the mainstream. Um, then we got, of course, 
Sunvolt and Wilco, which most know the story, at least more so of Wilco. Uh, I don't think uh, Tweedy and Farrar are, are going to be talking anytime soon because I don't think that's what they do. But it's always fun to think of what future albums by them would have uh, would have sounded like. So Uncle Tupelo is first on my list. Did you know that Tupelo honey is the most expensive honey in the world? I do. Yeah. I know. It's crazy, yeah. isn't it? It's the only thing I knew about that band. Um, <laughs> nice. Uh, my number two pick is a band called The Holy Mess. Yes. Um, you know, these guys had a surprisingly short 10-year life in punk rock, uh, reminiscent of uh, the Lawrence Arms and the Menzingers. Uh, they played a fast, personal, self-deprecating, catchy uh, version of, of what they believed punk rock could be. Uh, there's not a ton of information on the band. Uh, they released three LPs, two EPs. Um, what we do know is the band, uh, the band's, excuse me, Stevo uh, moved on to be part of Stevo and the Crippling Addicts. Uh, and then there's another member uh, who joined another band called Bella Vista Social Club. Uh, and both have offerings available for you to check out. Um, and, you know, they're, they're pretty cool, but I really like uh, the Holy Mess. Um, and what they brought in particular, I definitely recommend their 2012 album. Uh, I'm probably going to say this wrong. Kende Rue La Degas. Look, it's the black album with a, there you with go. a, a HLM on it or something like that. Um, just look through their stuff. You'll find it. You'll see what I mean when I say the black album. Uh, it's cool stuff. It's a cool record. <laughs> Yeah, so um, Steve-O, obviously not from Jackass, right? No, no, no. no. Yeah, that's probably, I, I didn't think about that. Yeah, it is not Steve-O from Jackass. There you go. I think he, I think that Steve-O may have a band. There I mean, I, I don't know how he wouldn't, right? Like, if you were in a band and you knew Steve-O and you weren't doing anything of note, wouldn't you be like, hey, Steve-O, like, come fuck around, we'll make a record, somebody will pay for it. Is in the top five of people I would ask. Absolutely. <laughs> now, if, if you knew him, yeah. If, if I knew him, absolutely. Now, the Holy Mess. There's a funny video on uh, on YouTube where um, get, this is probably I think before the Menzinger's second album, where they're hanging out like after a concert, and it appears to be like an old apartment in the Philadelphia area, and uh, you know they're all just having drinks. And one of the guys with the Holy Mess was joking. He's like, "This is why I hate the Menzingers." Obviously, they're friends. They were joking. He's like, "Number one, he's like against me. How can you?" Uh, steal an album from a band and go on tour with them at the same time <laughs> referencing that their first album was like a ripoff of against me uh but it but it was funny it was just kind of a little bit funny mm -hmm. jabs back and forth so holy mess i am familiar with from that video um outside of the actual songs though i i will go and check that out for sure um next on my list mark what started in 87 and ended at 89 was that when i did the first grade <laughs> no, no that, that is the band Operation Ivy. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> so, yep, two whole years and one studio album. I believe the first band to mix Scott with hardcore punk. Um, uh, you know, listen, I could be wrong on that, but I, I, I think they are. Um, not it's certainly an, an argument you could get away with making. Thank yeah. you, thank you. At least on this show. Yes, and I'm, I'm not saying that I wish they never broke up as I adore Rancid. Obviously, we did a spotlight on Rancid. Uh, but again, uh, even if we got like another album from them uh, along the way, you know, what would it sound like? You know, Jesse Michaels really experimented with common writer and it was okay. Uh, I actually liked what he did with the band classics of love. Uh, it was a pretty good album a couple uh, years ago that they released. Uh, anyway, I still have my raggedy old operation IV t-shirt that fits and I like it. And I like telling people about the band that don't know about it. Huge impact. One album. Yeah. I mean, what, what else is there to say after that? 
Yeah, no, uh, I think you definitely nailed it easily, and certainly in the punk and ska punk world, um, one of the shortest lived but most profound bands to uh, affect any scene, let alone every scene. So, yeah, yeah. excellent choice. Thank you, sir. Uh, my third choice on this list, uh, and this this is actually a list for me, Frank, that's kind of in no order, especially like, um, because this was really a deep pull. I really had to spend some time on this. But for me, uh, at number three is uh, None More Black. None More Black. Yeah, not just a great Spinal Tap reference. Love them. Yeah. So this band, uh, you know, they were really badass. They, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Though they can't seem to kind of hold band members together. Yes, <laughs> like that's Each true. record has like three different new people on it, but that's fine. Uh, founded by singer-guitarist uh, Jason Shebuck. I probably said that wrong. Sorry, Jason. Uh, after the demise of previous band Kid Dynamite. Um, I'm no, gonna be these are all Philadelphia bands, too, were named. Right. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I, I just want to say that when I say the demise of Kid Dynamite, uh, Kid Dynamite didn't die. There wasn't a bus accident or anything. The band broke up. I copied and pasted that from Wikipedia. I'm sorry. That's okay. um, nevertheless, uh, as Not More Black, they've released three LPs, two EPs. Uh, you know, it's just super snarky and hook heavy. Jason's voice is is either grating or charismatic and endearing. It's great. Um, while they haven't officially disbanded, um, but the band hasn't put out anything in ten years, which is as long as they were quote unquote active. Uh, and Jason's side project, La Grecia, uh, which put out one release uh, in 2008, which I actually think is really good, has also I like that album uh, too, yeah. already started and stopped as well. Uh, this this guy might be the problem. Um, but I don't know him personally, so I really shouldn't say that, but fuck him, whatever. Uh, <laughs> I, I, don't mean, I don't mean fuck him. I just mean, <laughs> I know what you mean. You know what I mean. Um, so let me see. Um, that said, I definitely recommend uh, This Is Satire, which I do own on vinyl, um, and the EP Loud About Loathing. I just absolutely, those two records um, are really badass. They really showcase, A, his songwriting, um, his ability to be sarcastic and vicious and biting, um, but also their ability to write really cool melodies um, and play fast and, and melodic at the same time. Yeah, so I, I, when I saw that you had them on your list, I was like, damn it. I was like, how did I forget them? Because I love the shit out of None More Black. I believe we saw them uh, when they opened uh, with Against Me, Rise Against, and, and um, yes, an Anti-Flag. And after that show, I went out and got uh, File Under Black, which is the first album. That yeah. thing was awesome. I was constantly cranking it. This is satire. I love it. I think that's my favorite out of the three. And even yeah. the one from 2010, Icons, is a great album, too. Icons is really good as well, yeah. Yeah. And, and listen, you, you see the guy, Jason, you don't expect that voice to come out of him. And yeah. well thought out songs, uh, definitely not generic at all by any stretch of the imagination. And I like uh, what he did in Kid Dynamite too. So great choice there. Yeah. Um, no more black. I'm going to go listen to them. So there you go. <laughs> All right. Uh, my next one is Jeff Buckley. Now, my wife gets uh, annoyed when I play Jeff Buckley, and I think it's because he's that good and his songs cut right through her, and she doesn't want to go to those places that he does in the songs. That's just my well, I gotta, opinion. I got to ask her about that because that's an, that's an interesting thing to, yeah. to call her out on. Okay. I am. I am. I, I think that's what it is. I think that's <laughs> what it is. Now, his debut and only proper studio album, Grace, is really a punch to the heart, the stardom, and the nuts all at the same time. It's a great canvas of beautiful songs songwriting that exposes complete desperation his voice was such a powerful instrument with pure talent rawness and emotion uh 
he covered Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah, which is what he's most known for. His next album, Sketches from My Sweetheart the Drunk, uh, which was just released in a mostly demo form, I think would have been another strong effort. Uh, sadly, at 30, the Mississippi River took him and he drowned. Uh, I often wonder what would have happened if he was still alive and created music. So Jeff Buckley is, is next on my list. That sounds like a hell of a story. The Mississippi River took him and he drowned. Yeah. A lot of speculation what? around that. He was, you know, he he's he was in the Mississippi River. He was singing a whole lot of love by Led Zeppelin, and sure, he, in the river, in the river, and the river took him and he drowned. So, you know, <laughs> Frank and I are going to start a side podcast called "Murdered by Music," uh, yeah. and it's just musicians who have died under mysterious circumstances. Uh, it'll be more popular than this because it's about true crime. Um, Folks, that's what I love about him because I know Mark just came up with that. Uh, yeah, oh, I totally did. Yeah, that, that came right out of my ass. Um, love it, love it. But like, oh my God, dude, what is that story? Like, yeah, this is what we like doing. So you're going to have to deal with, there'll be more episodes of this than Mur- Murdered by Music. So Thank deal you. with it. Thank you, Murdered by Music. Um, <laughs> so my number four pick um, is called The Falcon. Uh, okay. This is the uh, the unofficial Chicago punk supergroup. Uh, the band features the Lawrence Arm members Brandon Kelly on guitar and vocals, as well as uh, Neil Hennessy on drums, as well as Alkaline Trio's Dan Ardrinia, Ardino. I, I, Adriano. I everyone's last name. It's Adriano. Not just, yes, Adriano uh, on vocals and bass. Uh, Todd Mooney, Mahuni. I think Mahoney? I said it right the first time. Mahoney, Mahoney. of Rise Against plays guitar uh, on the 2004 God Didn't Make It, uh, Didn't Make No Trash or Up Your Ass with Broken Glass EP, um, <laughs> but couldn't attend the recording session. I love that fucking title. That's um, awesome. Uh, but couldn't attend the recording sessions for the other band, like the, the band's full length uh, feature, Unicornography. Um, and his spot was temporarily filled uh, by Kelly and Hennessy. Um, with Dave House actually joining the band in 2015, uh-huh. playing guitar and lead vocal on just one track. Uh, that is to say, excuse me, he played guitar on the entire album. He only sang one track uh, on the 2016 release, Gather Up Chaps. I, I didn't bother to write down what the name of the song he played was, but it's easy there to find. Um, the band's fast-paced and, and rapid, raspy vocals are quite reminiscent of you you guessed it the lawrence arms earlier um but dan adriano's influence can really be heard um along with his backing vocals it just really adds a depth and that classic alkaline trio bitterness um that i think fans will really appreciate if you like either of those bands you'll you'll really like the way these two bands jam right the fuck together um and for this i'm going to recommend uh that first lp unicornography uh, to check out. It's a really cool record. Um, nice. It's surprising. I think this is one of those things where they put they put albums together because there's the two albums and the one EP, just kind of when they can all get in the same place. And since, you know, Dan's touring the fucking planet with Alkaline Trio and everything that's going on with the Lawrence Arms, it's probably a little harder to get together. But yeah, not, not that they've broken up, but that they're just kind of like, we'll get to it when we get to it. Because I think it's a cool band. I'd love to see more stuff from them. Cool. Oh man, absolutely. Yep. Falcon. Not the Ye Old Falcon Club, by the way, but <laughs> Ye Old Falcon Pub in Davis, Florida. You owe us five dollars for this plug. I fucking love your bar. I hope that you guys are still open and awesome because I like getting drunk there when I when I'm in Davy. Nice, nice, cool. My next is a band called Goaty Hook. 
Uh, Goatee hook. Uh, I think it was supposed to be phonetic for like fish hook with the GH and fish. Anyway, I saw these guys open up for MXPX and the Hippos in 99, uh, and I was very impressed. And by, by, this time, by this time that I saw them, they were a punk-influenced rock band. Five short years prior to that, they released our first album called Sumo Surprise, and then another album called Banana Man after that. Uh, those were faster, shinier, represented the skate punk of that time. Uh, the band was on tooth and nail, so... Yes, there's some context to that with, with Christian themes, but their final album, Two Years to Never, to me is a great display of a loud, rock, mature punk sound. Uh, I would see them play shortly after that, I think a couple months at a skate park uh, down here too, and then they disbanded. I often think about their potential because I thought the singer Joel had a great voice, and I, again, I think they had a really nice, loud rock sound with these punky, punky guitars. That album in particular, Two Years to Never, I often go back to, so uh, Goaty Hook from i think virginia is is on there for me very cool yeah very man. Cool. I, I remember you trying to get me into them and i went meh i'm okay yeah i remember that too. <laughs> but hey you know what that's that's what it's about folks right we gotta we gotta try to turn each other on to something so uh my yes. final pick um i don't maybe the most controversial Ooh. most controversial of my picks uh that's bullshit i don't know i just wanted to say that uh phoenix tx there you go uh, i've always loved uh, their album, Luchuzo, 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 ah. Luchuzo. Thank you. Again, dyslexic, can't pronounce anything. Anyways, um, it's how I judge all pop punk. Uh, it holds for me the gold standard in the genre. So uh, the band formed in 1995 as one word River, River Phoenix. Phoenix. Phoenix spelled the way they spell Phoenix. T X F E N I X. For those of you listening at home. Um, However, in 1999, they had to change their name to Phoenix TX after receiving a cease and desist from none other than the actor, River, River Phoenix. Phoenix. That's yeah. right. Uh, they released family. their their self-titled debut album, uh, and then Lechuza, two mm-hmm. years later, uh, both on major label MCA Records. Right. However, they would break up in 2002 over, quote-unquote, creative differences. Frank, uh, did you know that between those two releases, the band sold over 60,000, the the statistics said units, but I'm going to assume that's CDs. Yeah, that's crazy. 600,000 CDs. And they broke up over creative differences, you fucking idiots. Um, (laughs) Impressive, though. Um, I'm just on a roll tonight, folks. Anywho, uh, the band got back together briefly in 2005 and were sued almost immediately for copyright infringement by Prince for the cover of, uh, excuse me, the cover art of a live album entitled Purple Rain in Blood. In blood. Uh, that's rain the way that raining blood is spelled by Slayer. Um, you can find the track listing online, but I, it, was a, it was a struggle to find, to find the live album. Uh, there was a copy of it on YouTube that wasn't very clear. Um, I don't know if that's somebody just putting a, a tape recorder up to their camera on their computer and trying to copy it over or what but i'm sure it's out there go go listen to it so what's interesting though is that six songs were cut from the album uh basically the entire encore uh, supposedly it ends with a fade out of one more song one more song anyways um there was a handful of covers i would assume slayer and and prince uh, as well as a couple other songs um well each member would go on to join another band, none of which made a significant impact uh, on me or anyone else. Uh, the band would get back together in 2016 uh, to, re- to reunite in 
uh, release a five-track EP called Creep, uh, released, but otherwise the band has remained silent. The EP's okay. I mean, it's it's what you expect it to sound like. It, it sounds a little better because it was recorded on better technology, uh, is my guess. Um, it's okay, but it's completely skippable, um, which is a bummer because this list is about, you know, like, man, if you could just get one more record out of that band. I know. And then you do, and it's like, oh. Yeah, but I didn't mean for, that. <laughs> yeah, so for me, it's all about Lechuza and and definitely check out that album. Um, I'd love to know what happened yeah. between them recording it and putting out that album. Because really, to me, that's the band is peaking, and then the creative differences go separate directions. I, I would have loved to known what happened and how somebody wasn't like somebody at MCA wasn't able to keep that together and get another decent record out of them. Yeah, so they're an interesting band. First of all, I have the CD Purple Rain and Blood, just so you know. Do you? Yes, I do. Nice. Frank's going to bootleg that internet. You're welcome. Yep, absolutely. Major Tom's another song on there that they do, uh, which which is – that's a good song. Um, So it's interesting. That band – Again, they had everything. They had had the recipe to really be the next big thing. And Warped Tour 99, 98. They toured with yeah, so yeah, they because they were known as really idolizing Blink at the time. Uh, when Enema of the State released, I remember a warp tour. Uh, Phoenix TX had a massive crowd, massive crowd, so much better. Blink, than Blink takes them out. This is not a typo. Blink takes takes them out on tour with Bad Religion. Mm-hmm. Don't ask me how Bad Religion opened for Blink and Phoenix TX. Phoenix TX was there, opened up to a whole variety of audiences. They were on all the MTV shows at the time. Uh, all My Fault was a single that was being played everywhere. Then, then. Which and it was a good pop punk album. All that I mean, if you listen to the self-titled pop punk album, excellent from front to black, from yeah. front to back. Sorry, uh, thirteen songs. Then Lechuza comes out. Lechuza totally different. It's mature. It's mature, and I think that's a where dark. The, yeah, that's where the great <clears throat> differences started because I think half of it is still a pop punk album, but the other half kind of has those metal influences, and then boom, they went away. Interesting pick with Phoenix DX. I would totally take another record. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Makes you makes you wonder. Makes you wonder. Mm-hmm. Uh, my last is um, a band that we talked about uh, earlier this week. Mark is the Blacklist Royals. So yeah, you know, we oh. talked about them the other day. Uh, mm-hmm. My profound friend, that's right, you you there, old pal. So I oh, guess that anthem is blue jeans and white t-shirts, and Blacklist Royals were more rebels without a cause, or or something to that extent. Yeah, black leather jacket. Uh... Without a cause, yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Uh, so they're they're a current band, but they're currently inactive. Uh, I would, th- I'm putting a question mark to that. Uh, they had two albums, but uh, the second studio album, 2004's "Die Young with Me," is really something special. Combines uh, combines the punk energy uh, with their first album and adding traditional rock and roll structures with the backdrop of a heavy of these heavy life issues such as uh, cancer, which uh, one of the brothers, because they're twin brothers, uh, was going through. Uh, it's a great themed album about life and 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 I, I want more from them. That's all I got to say. So Blacklist Royals, uh, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Yeah, the great band. I got to see them uh, open for the Swing and Utters uh, five, seven, ten years ago, something like that. I don't know. Uh, right. Down at Miami at Churchill's. Um, really great band. Puts on a great show. Uh, I follow the bass player on Instagram. I think oh. he sells real estate right now, which, hey, good for you, bro. Do what you got to do. Yeah. Um, but but really really nice easy to talk to guys really into making cool rock and roll um, and I believe he filled in uh, on bass for the for Redline Redline <laughs> oh wait a Red minute Red City Radio Red City Radio uh, filled in for Red City Radio for a little bit there and they have a new bass player now but uh, I believe he did some touring with them uh, 
fun guy. And, and if you can get along with the Red City Radio guys, I, I like you. So there, there you go. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Cool, man. So that completes our list. So yeah. Uh, you know, appetizers done, Mark. So now on to the main course. So Entree. That's right. So here we go. So the band we're covering is a band called Tall Heart, T-A-L-L-H-A-R-T. The album we're looking at is We Are the Same. This was released in 2013. Now, a lot of not a lot of information uh, on these guys exists. Uh, they're from Tampa. They were on Equal Vision Records. This was launched by Max Bemis of Say Anything. Uh, taken from the Equal Vision site, it's stated here that the band already built up a solid local fan base and has quickly been gaining more widespread recognition, uh, consisting of vocalist, guitarist Matt Segalos, uh, guitarist Chris Brickman, drummer Reed Murray, and bassist Glenn Espinoza. Uh, Mark Bemis would go ahead, Max Bemis, your Mark, just yes. kidding. Max Bemis would go ahead and say the following. They are Tallheart, a brilliant young band from Tampa who could write a stadium rock level anthem like no one's business, but don't shy away from those lovely dense song writing. Uh, they also put on a sickingly great live show. Uh, Bemis expounds. Uh, to me, they combine the best elements of early U2, Manchester Orchestra, and some sort of a young Pearl Jam. Uh, the last one's a pretty weird call, but I stand by it. This is Bemis, of course. Uh, basically, smart and brave music, rich with a swelling, unfiltered feeling. I've been working closely with them on many aspects of their music and the record, and I'm extremely excited for their release on the record label um this so this is before the 2013 release and we're going to that we're going to review mark so you said you think you've seen them live before is is that correct and and what do you think about bemis's assessment i know you're more savvy with uh bemis um and say anything than i am so yeah my my wife and i believe uh we saw them back uh somewhere around 2013 on tour with uh max bemis's wife who sings in the, the Texas-based band Isley. Um, we could be off on the time or the, the tour that they were on, but it was, it was somewhere in that frame, um, or at least I think I think they were. Uh, I'm not as sure I agree with the bands that he compared them to, uh, but like he said in the phrase, lovely, dense songwriting, yeah. uh, Tall Heart comes across as a, a rock and roll band with genuine soul, not a rock uh, rock band dressed as a soul act or a, a soul band making a rock album. There you go. Yeah. And the band had some other releases uh, under the name Marksman. Uh, that's Mark with a K, not my buddy here with the C. I, I can't believe people don't just name all their albums and records after me. That seems, I know, that I seems know. foolhardy on their part. But <laughs> I was able to check out the Blue and the Gray EP from, the, from mm-hmm. 2010. Uh, and it said that they had a full length uh, called Sister of Mine, um, of course, under under that same name, uh, under the Marksman name, but I couldn't find that. However, uh, Tall Heart's Bloodline EPs uh, was released in 2012. It's a strong EP, in my opinion. Um, and one song in particular, Brooklyn is Burning, uh, I would suggest people check out. That's a very, very special tune. So, um, Mark, for first impressions of, of Tall Heart, when you're putting this in and getting in that space and listening to it. Yeah, I'm really happy you mentioned Brooklyn is Burning. That song is about lighting a girl on fire, Frank. Like a, a young girl named Brooklyn. That they, no, I'm just kidding. They had nothing <laughs> to do with that. Uh, you know, my first impression is tricky because, uh, as I mentioned, I, I believe I've seen them before live, uh, but I, I can't be entirely sure. Um, they remind me of uh, the first Civilian album, which uh, if you've listened to our Bass catalog, uh, you know about it. If not, find it in the pack catalog. That's um, right. But with a little less snark, um, 
which I think works definitely for this record. That said, uh, I found the cover out of this album really interesting. Uh, we see the band's name across the middle of the album uh, with the title and just smaller font underneath it, both set on what appears to be, uh, and I'm, I'm totally guessing here, a woman's face, eyes shut behind a steamed shower glass. I spent a lot of time in the shower thinking about my feelings and processing emotions. So that really spoke to me. Um, if nothing else, the, the mindset of, of being in that kind of headspace where you're just trying to zone out and process what's going on. I really, I like that as a, uh, as the cover of this album. Cool, man. Cool. So let's go ahead and let's get into uh, the, the track listing. So you want to, you want to get into our bodies? Yes, let's get into our bodies. And by our bodies, I mean the song, because that's the right. song. Not right. Definitely not sexual. No one wants to see my Mark's bodies. Let's just let's just be honest. Um, all right, so here we go. So from the opening guitar note, you know this is going to entail some gut-wrenching emotional textures and feelings. We get this rich harmony, similar to to me, the Fleet Foxes, which is dark laden, dark laden in a wintry tone. Uh, we get some lyrics here. As I lay your head down, your head down, give my love to you, our bodies make a beautiful sound a beautiful sound give my breath to you a uh, better man than he was before is what the narrator is stating so if this is a story and this were to play out um i think in my personal opinion um there's a concept here and of course without mm -hmm. this person that the singer is talking about the singer then is a is a tortured soul uh matt's voice is legit he's got a pair of pipes that's awesome uh, there's mm -hmm pitch issues here this dude was again blessed with a high quality pair of pipes so our bodies is the first track what about what about you mark yeah the uh the use of harmonies here uh is one of the band's greatest strength they really play to it very well uh the lyrics and uh are simple uh and really effective the song is only two and a half minutes and really is just uh two verses uh but it does a gorgeous job of building a lovely crescendo and sets the tone for the whole record um, and, and leaves the listener ready for an intimate listening experience. Nice. Um, that said, uh, track two is called High Speed. Uh, I love the tone and structure of this song. It builds uh, from a, with, uh, our bodies really does this gorgeous crescendo and then it comes to a silent stop, which I really like the way they did that. Um, but it builds back up from that uh, and starts growing again. Uh, capitalizing on Matt Sagalos, that's the only time I say his last name wrong, uh, vocal abilities, using more of his, his voice more uh, as, as an instrument uh, than a, a big lyrical delivery system. Uh, but the, the lyrics uh, are really great, and it, it both just add wonderfully to the band. Uh, lyrically, as I was trying to get onto but forgot how I wrote this, um, I would have liked to see uh, the connection between uh, last breath of the endless war and the blood pumping through the heart of the city. I would have liked to see how those things connect, uh, perhaps in a third verse. Um, so for me, you know, with this, of course, being a song called Our Bodies and, and how, that, um, how that concept and these two ideas connect, um, I think it's really interesting. And I think it's something that they try to pull through the rest of the album. And, and we're going to dig into that. This was definitely a cool track. It's it's not one of the stronger songs on the album, but there's there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, so it's a big arena rock song style to me. Uh, I like uh, the lyrics. It says, I like to think that we were made to remember. I like to think that we were made for something more. Well, for someone... Someone reaching 40, that's very potent to me, right? The song. That's Frank. Yeah, that's Frank, by the way. Uh, 
<laughs> the song took me a while to, to get into, but I appreciated uh, when it picked up and Matt's voice starting to reach those high notes with such precise control. I mean, people moving in high speed as a collection of moving parts, I really like that placement. So mm-hmm. it's either not wanting to miss a thing or, or wanting to slow down and enjoy life, or maybe it's both. I think the main character's love interest and the feelings that go along with it uh, or what he's trying to wrestle with it, uh, true or not, that's that was my assessment, and and I really I really dig the song. Um, next we have we have Fighter Mark Fighter. Oh, yeah. So the next four songs to me not only represent the high point in the album, but perhaps a story, a series of events. Uh, they may be chronological, but I'm sure one can make the case that it's not necessarily like that. It's just the way I took it. I'll explain more in a minute. So in regards to the music of this song, I love it. Big um, big intro with a nice opening riff. Chords are similar to Chuck Reagan's The Boat, which I've always dug, that chord progression. So uh, I, I liked how I recognized that a little bit. Um, the, the voice again is reaching those falsetto points, and it's really just impressive. I mean, the chances uh, – I would say that Matt – I don't know if Matt's had any uh, voice training or, or is a classically trained singer, but man, I mean, he, he's got a pair of pipes, and it's just, it's just awesome. Um, I love the lyrics such as, I've never been afraid to say you were wrong. I've never been the kind you want on your side. Uh, when I see you, make me want to believe I'm a fighter. Uh, I think this is, in my opinion, the case of your heart being so vulnerable to a person, uh, but they present a challenge, a challenge in a good way, in a bad way. Who, who knows? Uh, one can debate uh, that arguing is good, but for some may not like that, hence why he mentions that he runs when things get heavy. Uh, so what is said heaviness, right? And that has brought us to the point where if things don't progress, perhaps, in this relationship, um, then it's over. And we're going to dive into that a little bit more based on my assessment into the next song. But uh, that's my assessment on Fighter. What about you, Mark? So it's interesting that you chose this as kind of the starting point for what you think is like the the overarching kind of story, the the high spot, if you will, of the album. I think it happens later on. Um, you know, maybe it's the length of the song, but I feel like it's twice as long as uh, I would care for. Um, and the the tempo never really seems to change or, or change up enough from part to part. feels a little bit uh, like the song drags out in a single tempo. Um, but that said, um, you know, lyrically, I like his phrasing and, and delivery throughout, um, you know, the, the context, the impression, um, it kind of comes across that this is about a little bit of his relationship with God, um, whether that's true or not. I'm not sure. That's just kind of the vibe I got from it. That's not my thing, but I'm, I'm not holding it against him as he's not, he's not preaching. He's just talking about the relationship in general, um, which I, I think is, is an interesting thing to do. Again, my issues with this song really are just, I would have liked to see a little bit more in terms of tempo change. Um, and I would have liked a little bit more separation between the choruses and the verses just to break it up a little bit. Um, that said, uh, the next song, uh, A Ring and a Reason, uh, you know, as a drummer, you know that I, I kind of love the fade-in drum intro. Um, though it's kind of the same tempo as the last song, it, it did confuse me at first. I thought I, I missed a bridge for a moment there. Uh, that said, I really like what they're doing here musically much, much more. Um, we get some uh, distinct verses and choruses which uh, – with breaks that they keep the song moving along. There's a, I really like the, um, you're going to laugh at me, the Oh, 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 Oh part. Oh, I think uh, it's great because I can't sing it. Uh, but there's, there's just a, a chorus of O's, 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 um, uh, into the bridge and outro that, that are really beautifully done. 
um, you, you really feel that moment in the song. You can really connect to it. it, it it's a very touching moment musically. Uh, lyrically, he has um, some great phrasing, but perhaps gives too much detail without completing some of the concepts. Uh, I would have liked a, a third verse here um, that tells a little bit more of the story, uh, you know, from the, the uh, barreling down the hill, uh, giving the subject a ring uh, and a reason, uh, and then the subject's father and the cancer um, whether that's the father is a cancer or the father has cancer or the father is giving them cancer, whatever that might be. I would right. have liked a little bit more completion of that, but you know, as we've been kind of going through this record and talking about it and thinking about it, um, maybe that's the point. Maybe that's where, where, where he is, where the, the, the narrator or the songwriter is, um, you know, assuming the narrator is proposing to someone, perhaps an answer has yet to materialize, just like the, the answer I want. I want to know what happens. I want to know, does she say yes? Does, does he say yes? Do, do we find out what's going on with the father? Does he have to fight the father? You know, what is it? I, I would have liked to know what that is, but, but maybe, much like life, we're left in the lurch. Yeah. 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 Good assessment. Good assessment. So Thank you. You know, I, I feel like on sometimes on these episodes, I, I must sound like like Bono at his Rock and Roll <laughs> Hall of Fame speeches because he, he I will says, stop doing these before you sound like Bono. Thank you so much, man. <laughs> but, but man, he gets up on there and he's like, everything was such a big influence to him and he's nominating these mm-hmm. people left and right. Uh, and I say that a lot too, but I'm being serious with this song uh, and it's not a work. When, when I say if I could create a song with this sound, uh, I, I totally would. I love, I love the bridge that blends so nicely back to the chorus. Uh, I don't think I know how to do something like this and it's hard to describe when you're writing so i do apologize for not being able to articulate that a little bit better um, but i love the drum leading off the song love the riff during the chorus matt's emotional singing really leaves you leaves you no choice but to feel what he's going through so lyrically we get stuff like this as mark said you're barreling down that hill with a mind full of madness you're gonna burn a bridge tonight don't die a martyr for the man make your own damn mind up purge the okay so online says purge the heaven but i'm thinking it says purge the habit after we listen to it take my hand take my hand so to me if the story left us off in the last song in a relationship that was on the brink of destruction he wants to give her a ring therefore announcing his commitment that creates then the reason however there's some things that must be done like a breaking from the bridge that gives you like life and of course um the whole father's cancer will what exactly does that mean now what are we breaking from exactly well, that's what we're going to find out in the next song. And the next song is See God Again. Mm-hmm. So by by the first verse, we see what this is potentially about. And, and that's basically adultery, right? So I, I think that's why we get maybe many spiritual overtones here as as they're taking it, you know, as the sin and layering it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see the main character here telling us what's going on. I knew I'd find you by the lake. I know the way you think. That's where I laid you down for the first time. You were such an eager soul with diamonds in your eyes. <laughs> I saw that. You said you'd be my only love, but you were still my brother's wife. So. Whoa. Yeah. So now is this an actual blood related brother? I don't know. It could represent a very close friend for sure. Is God that's being referenced? Is that actually the God or is that the concept of a God? Again, uh, 
you know, it's left up to interpretation. And of course, the line, as I burn my father's son, is up to the listeners too. So we have the sins taking place, the recollection of the wedding with the main character's interest and brother, and then what appears to be a tragic event occurring where I think, and Mark has another take on this, which is cool, where the love interest is killed with running headlong into the night as if they threw themselves in front of a car or the person couldn't take it anymore. The main character is sitting there watching it uh, across from the field. Listen, whatever the case is, uh, faith all around is questioned and I take the see God again is that they'll never be part of something good uh, oh yeah listen musically I love it it's mellow it's somber the piano adds such a nice touch in the background to almost matching the emotion of the song light harmonies again showcasing the attention to detail which creates uh, to me a very high quality song obviously one of my favorites because I'm rambling on about it and I'm you know I'm just not saying I'm, it's, I'm not just saying that that's one of my favorites but it uh, gives me a complete high for four minutes Mark your assessment on this song yeah, so uh, I really dig this, the harmony sung intro. I think that's really cool, the way the band pulls together vocally to do that. So really cool. clear uh, and soulful storytelling. In the, the previous track, we get uh, Barolin. Here he's using the phrase headlong, uh, which is really interesting to me. The descriptions of, uh, of motion lyrically, uh, both in narratives, but both used um, without adjusting the tempo, right? We're still moving at this, this steady rhythm, this steady, steady pace, uh, but he's describing motion and, and making you feel that barreling, making you feel that, that headlong run. Really, really great use of lyrics and lyrical delivery here. Um, I may be connecting dots that don't line up, but I like the juxtaposition of both his brother's death and cremation uh, and whether or not uh, his brother or he will see God. Um, you know, the question, uh, who, who is the song addressing? Is he addressing the brother? Is he addressing the, the brother's wife? Is he addressing himself? Is he addressing God? Um, posing the idea that perhaps his brother maybe was God or that, uh, the sins, i.e. banging his brother's wife, uh, will keep him from, from seeing God again. Um, it's long, uh, for my liking, but, but very well crafted, um, you know, the other thing here is um, I see that first phrase about being the first time he committed adultery with his sister-in-law or his brother's wife, however you want to look at it. Right. Uh, and the second about uh, the brother's death uh, and then confessing that the, the sin to his to his brother's corpse before cremating it. Really interesting, really heavy. I dig it. Yeah, so this is where we had the different take, but it was interesting too because when Mark said that, I was like, I didn't even think about where the second verse would be then about the death of his brother because we, we really don't know. So I just thought in my head, I'm like, it's continuing on in a sequence of events right then and there where it's the it's the sister-in-law, it's the girl who runs off and something happens headlong into the night, but Mark took it a different way. This is what's so cool about music, folks, is that we have yeah. all these, we're creating a whole world and a whole story and uh, uh, we have some cool stuff at the end of this episode to, to fill you in on that stuff so there you go yeah and you know the, the other kind of fun thing about that is that like the, there's frank's idea of what happened and there's my idea of but not of what happened of what it means there's my idea of what it means and of course there's the songwriter's uh idea of what it means and and whether frank and i are close to anything whether any of these clues mean anything um is completely in our heads kind of yeah. fun one of the fun things about uh, certainly albums like this uh moving on yes. uh Track number six, Holy Coast. Oh, so uh, good. This, Frank, is my favorite song on the record, hands down. So good. It's simple and profound. We get just Matt and a, and a guitar 
uh, pondering, uh, to me, life itself with just enough detail to make, uh, excuse me, to make you feel like you're overhearing the most interesting personal conversation that you should have never heard. Uh, I love the, the reverb building towards the end, and then it just cuts back and repeats that opening line with just the uh, just him and the guitar. Uh, Frank, uh, you're going to do this one much more justice oh. than I. Why don't you tell the folks? I love this song so much, man. Listen, slightly over two minutes, but man, what a commanding number. I mean, again, just as Mark said, it's Matt on the acoustic guitar, exposed, vulnerable. And my interpretation of the song is the aftermath of what we previously witnessed. So this is the starting over, right? The faith of the demons theme is still uh, present here. And he's like, I want to tell you I quit drinking and I don't need a crutch. Um, it's just great to me. So Ramona, so we have a name here. Ramona gets mentioned and that seems to be maybe an an old fling and she's located on the Holy coast, which I'm assuming this is my take again is the West coast is, is California. So I'm of course envisioning these guys being from Tampa, right. And therefore kind of these things taking place on, on the East coast. Uh, He tells her that uh, she was right and that he was afraid to lose it all. And he, just lost it all right in the previous song. So by staying in California, he manages a life with Ramona and feeling that he could have lived. Um, that's how I took it. It's simple, touching, beautiful. Mark loves it. I love it. Thank you guys yeah. for, for writing it. That's all I got to say. And, and this is one of those situations where, and for me, um, you know, we talk about a lot of bands and a lot of albums and you'll get this one really big, really extravagant number that's so deep and so heartfelt and it's 12 fucking minutes long. Um, and I and right and people get tired of hearing me say, "Does it need to be that long?" And this is a great example that you can really get personal and really tell an interesting story and connect with people in just two minutes. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes less is more. And it's harder probably to write mm-hmm. down those two minute songs because you have to, or those twelve minute songs because you have to compact it all in there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, good, great, just a great tune, great tune. So next is the fire. Uh, you know, I thought the story aspect would would to me would be done or at least in my head but i'm reading the lyrics and how he mentioned california and i'm like oh so this is after he decides he wants to go back and mesa arizona is mentioned and of course going back home to california it's the fire that burns it's the old fling she's a blue-eyed girl it seems to be that he's really contemplating if he should go back but there's something burning musically it's straight up rock it's a really good track to me uh that's fire what about you mark uh, fire! I, fire! I like how um, the bass does a lot of work here in driving the mood and the tempo of the song. We haven't really gotten a lot of bass um, guitar to and bass guitar uh, work here. It, it's pretty straightforward, four four rock, uh, but they use the studio really here, uh, yes. really nicely here to make the sound bigger. Uh, and the addition of the acoustic guitar in there uh, as a part just adds a really nice touch. And I think that may be why. We get a little bit more bass in this, and it's allowed to take a little bit more of a lead because the acoustic guitar is used so. Uh, I'm going to say gently. Yeah. But but maybe maybe it's it's just used in the right place, so it, it allows that the bass to shine a little more. But I thought he did a great job on on that bass line. Yeah. Um, as for the lyrics and the, the characters uh, that Matt suggests for us, I think he's done a great job of trying uh, of excuse me of tying this album together in a really pretty way. Uh, but still allowing each song to stand on its own merit. I, th- I think this was a great song. Yeah, yeah. So great, um, great the next track is called Mexico. Mexico. Uh, or as most folks know it, Mexico, yep. Um, very res- reminiscent of uh, Civilian here in the opening. Um, for me in particular, just it really just, I, I thought I was listening to that that 
civilian record. Uh, but you also get your buds, uh, Lord Haran here, Frank's personal friends. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, you know, the, the production here is just so super clean and vibrant. Um, I would have liked a little more variation in the music as it follows. Almost a, a very similar structure to a ring and a promise with uh, the with just different choruses and lyrics. Um, that said, I, I like this track better than that one. Um, the drums do a great job of accenting the lyrics rather than just simply pushing uh, the song along. Um, plus, it's uh, it's just three minutes, and that's, that's all you need to get this really um, touching message across. That's cool. Man, I love, I love the vibe in the intro here. The guitar is super cool, and then the rest of the band comes in, really creates this great full sound and the chorus of, Oh, Mexico to save my soul. Super infectious. Um, so... If, if we're progressing my version right of the story, uh, he lets right. his instincts take the wheel and then take a chance. And the chance of what I'm assuming is to be the girl, Ramona, reference Ramona. past songs. Uh, he gets back to Callie and she seems to be in love with someone else. So where does he go for some soul searching, saving and restoration? Well, Mexico. So that's, that's how I, that's how I took it. Mm -hmm. uh, Next is Wandering Kind, the ninth track on the album. To me, this has a cool late 90s vibe. Uh, I like how you have this intro. It takes you in this one place, and then oh, it's a sharp turn, and it's a completely different melody and, and tempo. The guitar's layers here are great, especially when Matt's saying, I could do better. Those lines those really stood out to me. So our, our character's heart is the Wandering Kind, and he finds security in moving along. Again, if this is a story, then I take it as their journey on the West Coast or in Mexico that he's finding an relationship but his demons are still popping up due to the past experiences uh, i enjoyed this one i really appreciate it more musically with each listen so uh, i like this tune mark what about you yeah, another song I, I really enjoyed musically i think uh it's the most dynamic of their work um uh, we really get from the full band uh, i don't know that i found to have that kind of 90s sound or vibe but sure. i like the way the band is able to to turn the corner between verses and choruses and keep the listener really engaged and, and really listening to what's happening, not just lyrically, because you can get tied up in these lyrics very easily. Uh, but this one, the music is really engaging and, and the band keeps you, keeps your attention the full time. For the first time, I'm, I'm actively listening to the, to the band as much as Matt's vocal performance. Um, because Matt's really, this album's all about him stealing the show with those pipes, man. He's, he's just great. And that said, lyrically, he still crushes it on the song especially, uh, and I'm going to read some lyrics here. I apologize if, if I do them out of rhythm or tune. Um, I never say it's right, but my heart is the wandering kind. And I'd only break you down, but my heart is the wandering kind. And the only peace I find is in moving along. Yeah. Uh, the simplicity and attention to detail are just gorgeous and poignant. Uh, if, for example, he uses moving along consistently, um, over when I think a, a lesser songwriter would have just chosen moving on. He really articulates along. Um, and I think it's that kind of attention to detail of him enunciating it that really sells the personal um, aspect of this song that you're, you're not just buying that this is a character in a song. You feel like the songwriter is really attached uh, emotionally, perhaps actually to this person that he's singing about it just really well done. That's all. Yeah. I love this. Love this song. And, and I agree with you with that attention to detail. That's so important. And that separates, I think those are really talented and really, 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 really talented. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, and, uh, yeah. So uh, 
song number 10 we have uh we are the same uh, the, yeah. the title track saved for the closer a bold choice let's talk about it and see if it pays off frank uh, i don't i don't know that sounded more clever when i wrote it uh it opens with matt and a, and a guitar again uh this time it's uh, an electric and thanks to uh frank's notes i know that he's palm muting uh giving it a, a staggered rhythmic pulse uh, that carries through the song the band joins in as he builds from a, a simple uh, snake in the garden of Eden motif and builds to uh, yeah. a hypnotic chorus repeating, we are the same, you and I. Uh, really simple, really powerful. If you're like Frank and I and hold uh, an album as, as one piece of art with several pieces of art within it, uh, you can really feel the connection of all these tracks uh, to the rest of the album. And, and I understand why they chose this for the, the title track. Um, but before I get into my final thoughts, because I know that's kind of where I just started going, uh, I really dig this track. It's moody, uh, textually uh, resonates uh, with the listener uh, by directly addressing the listener uh, and the singer, you and I. And that's, again, that's that attention to detail, right? We are the same. Yeah. I think a lot of bands would have just repeated, we are the same. But we are the same, you and I. So that as you're listening, as you start singing along, as you're repeating the words in your brain, you and I, you're connecting with him. We are the same. I think it's a really interesting detail that really connects you to this. I understand why you got so hooked to this. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, and, and I love the palm muted and distorted guitar and just Matt's voice. You can just feel that song at one point. It's going to be getting heavy. I love the opening set of lyrics. I mean, I'm a liar, the snake in your garden, hanging from your willow to conspire. You heard the devil in my voice of denial. Still, you're drinking deeply from my honey lips. I mean, Ooh. religious and spiritual overtones all over here. Who exactly is the same as the main character in the end? What you know, What is the love uh, that we saw in Sea God? God again uh, or was it the love that we saw and see God again or is he saying that he he is indeed the snake and possesses malevolence but good has their own version uh, listen a different approach it's a, it's a completely gray area that crosses into it um, but it, it's definitely that whole snake in the garden territory which is uh, which is awesome and that's a fantastic close to the album and um, yeah just I mean I, I a great album. Everyone knows my thoughts on it for the final thoughts, but Mark, why don't you share us with your final thoughts here? Yeah, so this isn't an album I think I'd normally get myself into. Um, I don't know what kind of replay I'll have uh, with this record, but I got to tell you the, the sound on this thing is beautiful. Uh, the production is clean and clear. Uh, I have very few criticisms about the musicianship or songwriting as, as far as an album to dive into and try to just peel apart. I think it, it was a wonderful, and, and really, uh, I, I think I can speak for both of us. We really enjoyed talking about this record yes. and, and and just kind of trying to to pull apart what the story he was telling was in each track and, and applying it to a larger theory uh, of an album. Uh, not necessarily a concept album, um, but, but in that state. I would have loved um, to see these guys go on to work with some producers who make uh, more of, or excuse me, not make, who take more of a risk sonically uh, in the studio, like a Rick Rubin or Ben Schneider from Lord Huron, uh, to help them develop that, that soundscape and explore the studio further. Uh, however, I, I do love uh, the feel of the album. Um, 
you know, it, it feels like you've rolled into their rehearsal space. Like everything that they've done uh, could be done on a stage and it's just as powerful and, and just as meaningful without, without a big studio to back that up. This is um, a great pick, Frank. I, I would definitely recommend uh, folks at home find this record, find a good set of headphones. Uh, if you're like me, take a trip out to Denver and just enjoy this thing. It's a, it's a cool record. Yeah. So, you know, I can't even, I don't remember where I was when I first heard about this band or, or how did I come across it? Um, mm-hmm. But it's been a go-to of mine for, for a while now, I think since around the 2013, 14 timeframe. Uh, I, I know I've been super high on this record. And when, even when we, um, uh, started this project way back uh, well, 40, 40 now episodes ago. This was on my list of albums that I'm like, I, I need Mark's opinion on this. I want Mark to listen to it. Um, I just love the songwriting on this. Uh, Matt's vocals and the emotion behind it. The songs, to me, uh, they're not overly long. And the whole concept idea uh, that I've made up in my head, I mean, that's the beauty about something uh, like this. You could you could take that and do what you want to it. Um, and to me, it's it's entertaining and it's fun to create a story like this to see uh, how it plays out. You were gonna, you were gonna say something, Mark. Yeah, you know, one of the things we haven't covered uh, about this record, and and that we that we normally talk about, that I think you just hit on a little bit, is while this song, this album's only ten albums, it's also only thirty three minutes long. Yeah, ten songs. Um, yeah, thirty three minutes. So while we do get, you know, the opening tracks only a minute and a half, there's another like two minute song, and there's a couple four minute songs. The balance of this record, right? When it comes to moving in and out of songs, when it comes to song structure. Um, and that's why, you know, you mentioned earlier that, you know, kind of tracks three through seven were your favorite. For me, I think it's kind of uh, like Holy, six Holy or, Coast and on from there. Yeah, I, I think it's kind of that, that back half of the record for me. But the balance on this thing, uh, as, as you were saying, is just really, really tight, really clean. And uh, I, I like, you know, you guys have heard me in the past say like, oh, I would, I would put that song at the end of this record or I would have opened with this. I wouldn't change a single track on this, yeah. this record. Yeah, the details were totally attended to here. Yeah. Uh, very meticulous. Um, yeah, it's just to me, it's an absolute special special album. I try to tell everyone about it that I, that I can. And, and I was going to actually then talk about um, where the band is now and how come sure. there's not much information on them. But I was able actually to track down the bass player, Glenn Espinosa, and got some updates, uh, which, is, which is pretty cool because uh, I, I – would, I was so curious about this band and where are they? Uh, he was nice enough to reach back out and have a conversation with me. And uh, he said, Singer Matt is living in Tampa and is being an awesome dad. Uh, guitarist nice. Chris is also in Tampa working for a production company and is married. Uh, the drummer Reed is in St. Pete and became a father. And the bassist, who I spoke to, Glenn, is in North Carolina finishing school. So he stated that they had very fond memories of their time as a band. And when I asked him, uh, of course, is there stuff available on vinyl? He says that they do regret not pressing their records on vinyl. So, um, you know, if if you do want the record, obviously streaming or physical copies, that's that's where you got to go. I was super glad I was able to connect with him. I'm going to send him the mm-hmm. episode too. And thank you, of course, Glenn, for listening to our uh, Deftones episode, which I know you liked a lot also. <laughs> so I really, really appreciate that support. But yeah, it was really cool to find out kind of what went on. And of course, I'm glad these guys are doing well. The fanboy in me, you know, wants more music. But uh, to me, yeah. their happiness is, is important. This Well, I like that it sounds like they're all getting laid. 
There you go. Hey, That's pretty good. I'm happy for you guys. Get it wet, buddy. <laughs> to me, this record is just super, super, super special. It makes me feel good yeah. inside, even though it's so uh, emotionally pressing. But it's just yeah. a beautiful record. One of my favorites. And I love telling um, you know, music fans out there that a band like this uh, created one of my one of my favorite records. So uh, yeah. Paul Hart, everyone, check them out. Check out the Bloodlines uh, EP as well. Um, just, just so much good stuff from, uh, from a band. So, yeah. So Mark, you want to take us into next episode because that belongs to you, buddy. Yeah. So for next week, we're going to, uh, test Frank's boundaries a bit with, uh, some melodic hardcore. Um, I remember being introduced to this band under the guys that quote, uh, this is somebody talking to me. Uh, you won't like them. Their girlfriend, hardcore, um, <laughs> which I kind of loved that description. But uh, to me, this is, this is really where emo and hardcore meant. And, and to be clear, uh, when I say that, I don't think screamo is a real genre. Um, I know, I know. Um, but by that, I mean, uh, you know, most screamo bands are just pop punk bands uh, screaming over it, but with, with less to, to say and, and less emotional drive to the music. Um, you know, and they're just kind of like sad sacks with, with mediocre music abilities. So I, <laughs> I, I don't think Screamo is a style. Um, I think there's, there's emotional hardcore. Um, and I think this feels, this, this fits right into it. If you want to call that girlfriend hardcore, that's fine. Um, I like hanging out with girls. So whatever your problem is. Uh, anyways, uh, so for next week, we're going to listen to Defeater's sophomore album, Empty Days and Sleepless Nights. Um, I like the risks that they take here, pairing uh, heavy, melodic music uh, and well-thought-out lyrics while still being able to take an acoustic guitar and create a ballad that doesn't feel fake or pretentious. Does that sound good, Frank? Yeah, it sounds great. And especially what sounds great is I don't know much about them other than I think they're from Massachusetts. Is that correct? I believe so. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, I know I've heard of them in passing. Uh, I think I know where, where their origins are from, but this is kind of a blank canvas for me. And, and I like that you're bringing this on. And it's interesting you say, right? Cause you have melodic hardcore and uh, it's at the intersection of uh, emo and hardcore, but I agree with you too, because I, I, I don't necessarily believe that screamo is also a real genre. So uh, I, I'm cool that we're going to kind of listen to this and, and see what we make of it. And uh, yeah, I'm totally, totally amped about it. So thank you for the recommendation, my man. Yeah, my pleasure. You know, this will be an interesting one just because I'm not, <laughs> I'm not emotionally attached to this the way I, I usually get to some records. There you go. Um, so th this will be a fun one for us to dive into. Cause this, uh, if you're new to the show, this is not, Frank's wheelhouse. Frank likes punk rock. Frank likes some hardcore, um, but modern hardcore isn't really yeah. uh, a thing for him. Although you you got into uh, turnstile, you got into turnstile pretty good. You you were into that. Uh, I think I, you'll I, find, I think you'll find a little bit more depth here in, okay. in terms of uh, lyrics, um, and and in terms of maybe what they're doing a little bit more musically. Uh, it's a little bit more complicated, or it might just turn into that thing where you're like everything's turned up too loud and I don't like it. It could go either way. Yeah, I remember with Turnstile in particular, I, I actually was one that was wanting their songs to be longer because I felt yeah. they, were, they were too short. So I wanted I wanted more of them. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, uh, listen, I'm, I'm really amped to, to check this out and uh, you guys will, will hear our, our thoughts on them. And so excited to listen to this and I hope everyone can't wait for us, like I said, to discuss it. So listen, everyone, thank you for listening. Drop us a line. You know where to find us. We're all over the place. Uh, if there's an album, of course, that you want us to review, let us know. We are friendly guys to chat to. So bring it on. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Bye-bye.